Hey, Ghost Pirates fans, this is Cristiano Simonetta, the play-by-play voice of the Savannah Ghost Pirates, and welcome to episode two of Beyond the Graveyard, our brand new podcast as we take you through the 2023-24 season. If you missed last week's episode with Ghost Pirates head coach Rick Bennett, don't worry, it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's everywhere podcasts are available. We really hope you check it out. This week, I'm joined by Ghost Pirates goaltender Michael Bolian. He played 16 games in Savannah this past season despite joining the team in February. He took the starting job and ran with it. We're excited to see and hear from him in year number two. Let's get to it. Ghost Pirates fans, episode two of Beyond the Graveyard, and I am joined by Michael Bullion, the Ghost Pirates gold center, number 32. Bully, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm great, man. Good to be on. Uh, looking forward to talking with you. It's, it's always a pleasure with you, my guy. Yeah, I think uh, our social media channel over the last couple of weeks is becoming the Michael Bullion uh, you know, ghost pirates, because we announced your signing on August 11th. We uh, put out a feature article, which I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, talk with me about some things. And this is going to kind of be that same situation, but we're going to kind of get into things that we didn't touch on, on that article. And I know you've been playing hockey a very long time. You've got plenty of stories, but first off, what's summer like, what have you been up to? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of been a pretty big summer for me. Um, you know, first things first is like kind of got it out of the way early. We, uh, Jada and I, uh, my girlfriend at the time got engaged. So, uh, you know, that was kind of our big news for the summer. Um, so we've been kind of enjoying that, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of congratulations were on the way from some of the friends and everything, but, uh, no, that was great. Um, it's been a huge summer for training. Um, you know, obviously something I talked about with, uh, with coach was, you know, this last year I, I almost did too much. So this year it's been more of like ensuring the fullness of the rep rather than the quantity. So definitely it's been a lot more about my eyes, my flexibility, my overall strength, um, rather than as much ice time as I used to do. Um, and then we're, I'm doing a lot of, you know, goalie specific training, uh, a lot less of the kind of shooter tutor stuff I used to do. So it's definitely been really good for, you know, my personal development going forward here. Yeah. And I'm glad you started it off with you and Jada getting engaged. Now you have to go through this entire story. Uh, so how'd you pop the question? I assume it was a very intimate situation because I know you, I know you're a very private guy, but, uh, I know I'm leading you into something, but, uh, what was that like? Uh, take me through your emotions, uh, going on before you got down on one knee. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely a really private occasion. Uh, <laughs> exactly what I planned. Exactly. What I, no. Um, yeah. Like, um, Jada and I, and, uh, my parents had, you know, kind of planned to take a trip, um, last year. Um, uh, you know, that kind of coalesced, we, we decided we wanted to go to Maui. So we were like, all right, that's what we're going to do. Um, we had everything ready. I had been, you know, kind of planning, getting engaged for the last year or so. So um, knowing that that was kind of going to be our trip, I was like, you know what, this is going to be the perfect time. Um, my mom's birthday was on the, the 5th of May. So we were like, all right, we need to kind of, I want to get that done before then. Uh, so 
Yeah. So we were looking around at, at different places that we might want to, you know, do that. I, I was, my parents were obviously helping me a little bit with, with everything. And, uh, <laughs> it was one of those things that we kind of settled on, uh, this giant, uh, somewhat dormant volcano uh, on Maui, uh, Mount Haleakala. And uh, so we were kind of playing a little bit of like, you know, oh, Jada, tomorrow's going to be a big day. And, and you know, that being my mom's birthday, uh, she was kind of unhappy. She was like, you know, like, oh, that's going to be so unfair to, you know, to, to my mom and everything. And so we were kind of stringing her along, stringing her along. And, and we got up there and it's it was freezing. Like it was way colder than I expected it to be because it's, Maui in the summer and uh, I mean I wore jackets I wore layers and I was still kind of like oh boy this is chilly uh so <laughs> we get up there and and we're all kind of cold and miserable but we had like a very nice um you know little car in the car dinner uh little charcuterie and stuff and just kind of we're enjoying our night there and part of the the whole point of going up there was like it's it's very beautiful at both sunrise and sunset you're above the clouds um you know, it's gorgeous scenery. I have a picture uh, on my Instagram. It's, you know, it's crazy how majestic that view is. And uh, part of the reason we didn't go at sunrise is because, you know, obviously a 2 a.m. wake up to get up there for like 5, 6 a.m. isn't great. And then also that's kind of the busy time. And I was like, all right, perfect. Like, I'm not going to have to see too many people. You know, I'm, I'm going to get to do this when it's nice and quiet. And we get up there and it's just packed with people. And I'm like, oh, boy. So we're looking like we're kind of hoping it's going to die down when sunset hits. But I'm also like, well, once sunset hits, like there's not much light anymore. So like I know Jada's going to want some pictures and everything. And, and I was like, we got to like get this done. And I'm sitting there like everyone's still there. The sun's coming down. It's creeping lower. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And so finally, I'm like, I can't wait any longer. So I, like, you know, I kind of creep back and my parents kind of creep back and there's Jack videoing. And I go down on a knee and Jada turns around like a little too early and I'm still getting down there. I'm like, <laughs> and everyone like around this giant, you know, crater is just staring at me. And I'm like, sorry to do this, babe, but, uh, will you, marry, you know, will you marry me? And, and, uh, you know, she was crying. It was really sweet, but, and we got a lot of applause, but, oh man, my, uh, my shyness was kicking in full speed. I'm like, all right, like, let's get out of here now. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. So, uh, but no, it was you know, amazing moment there for sure. Yeah, that's really awesome. Congratulations to you too. And crazy, you know, what's been going on in Hawaii. Obviously our, our thoughts and prayers uh, aren't enough to, you know, wish uh, for that island after the wildfires and just hope that that place can just get back to, you know, just being home for a lot of people. I know, uh, you know, I've never been there. I heard nothing but good things. And, and obviously you had such a memorable time there. Obviously hope that, uh, that place gets back to hundred percent and everybody, uh, you know, gets back to normal life over there. But, um, bully, that's a, that's an incredible story. Um, as someone who hasn't popped the question, I, I just can't even imagine the nerves with all those people there. Even someone like me, like I, I talk for a living, I'm used to being in front of people and speaking. That's just a completely different animal. It's an intimate setting. You kind of want to be a little private with it, but I mean, Hey, she said yes. Right. There you go. <laughs> that's the important part right there. And, and, um, also I, I don't want to gloss over that, that earlier point there you made, um, with Lahaina, obviously devastating what happened there. Um, I mean, truly terrifying. Uh, a lot of the places we went while we were there are completely gone. Now, um, we've sent some money over there. Um, 
you know, to, to help as much as we can. Obviously, it's nothing compared to what they need. But um, genuinely, just I, I hate to say it because I think it's not always the most genuine thing to say. But but genuinely, thoughts like thoughts and prayers are, are over there, and and really hope that the people over there can recover. Um, I hope they get all the help that they need um, because obviously it's a special place for me. But that's their home, man. And and you know, I'm sure the fans here in Savannah would understand. Like it, it's. I couldn't imagine the the suffering they're going through right now. Uh, it, it's awful to see just what had happened to the ecology, like to begin with, and then to realize that like that's people's livelihoods, their homes, and everything like that is just it's horrific. And and I I genuinely could not imagine being in their in their shoes. And I I hope that that we can get their cities and um, you know their wildlife back because it was a, there was a huge conservation effort going on over there to begin with. And so I'm sure it's set them back quite a few years. So uh, really hope that they can get everything rebuilt as swiftly as possible and, uh, you know, get those people back in their homes and get that, that Island back to being healthy again. Yeah, that's very well said, Michael. Um, you know, this podcast, it's hockey centric, um, but a lot of this is to showcase you know, the underlying layers of, of you guys and the players, the coaches, uh, everybody involved with the Ghost Pirates organization. And I'm not just saying this because of what you just said, but but as someone who I've known over the last year, you're very genuine with the way that your actions and, and your words. And um, it's unbelievable what you have done with the fans, with the community, and just about everything, whether it's the history of Savannah, whether it's just getting to know this city, you care a lot. Has that just always been in your DNA of you know, respecting everything around you? It doesn't seem like your ego ever gets in the way of anything, even going back to what you just said about Hawaii. It's a, it's a very unique moment and special moment that you'll never forget. But the first thing you do is quickly talk about, you know, wishing those people well. And like you said, you donated. It's, it's really important for people to go out and do if they haven't already. You know, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, we get caught in a bubble a lot of the times in hockey. It's very tempting to kind of view this world as the only one that matters. And and for hockey players, it's a very different world that we live in, right? I mean, I know growing up, I saw it very differently than I do now. Um, you know, for a long time when I played minor hockey in Canada, a big thing we thought about was the O. And we didn't really think about a lot else. Most guys really wanted the O. They wanted to get drafted. Um, and I knew a lot of kids who who quit when they didn't get drafted, right? And it, and it's because again, this this bubble we live in, it shelters people, but it also warps reality in a lot of ways. And so, for me, kind of getting the experience in Alaska of you know the importance of nature, the importance of the natural world. I'm sure Savvy could definitely probably give a very similar attesting to this. Um, we value it in a way that's different than a lot of people who live in cities because it's such an integral part of how we live and, and our survival just generally up in Alaska, right? Like a lot of people um, who live further up, uh, if they're not hunting and they're not fishing and, and that those, you know, limits aren't respected, they're not surviving. And so for us, it's a huge deal. And, and so when you see ecological disaster, you see people removed from their homes, like it, it genuinely affects people like, like me, but also just people who have grown up in that style of environment. Um, 
and and to speak about myself a little bit it's one of those things that i just genuinely am an empathetic person um i try to see the best in people at all times um and also i think that as someone who has been so blessed to be given so much by a game and realistically that's what we play we play a game it's not anything more than that um but hockey has given me so much i, I feel like in a lot of ways, we as hockey players and, and we as an as an organization owe it to the fans to give back. And and not just in, in a great on-ice product, a great off-ice product, right? Because we, you know, this industry, it it the hockey is the product, but also just as people. Um, I think that we offer an outlet to a diverse range of people. Um we also offer escapism. I know plenty of people have come up to me just in Savannah and, and, you know, thank me for, you know, they've, they've had, you know, different problems in their life and, and our playing our communication with them, our just overall interactions help people to forget for a minute or to get some advice from someone who maybe has gone through something similar and that they view, they might view as larger than life. And so that person going, Hey, I've been there, you know, me as me especially i've been through mental health troubles I've, I've gone through it right so it's a big thing where if someone comes up to me i have personal experience at that i've been through it and so people come up to me with these problems and it's like how could i not want to help that person you know and that's that's really where i come from is just we owe it to people I, I mean, and i just genuinely want to to give that advice i want to to help people i want for people to just get along better than we do right now. I mean, it's such a, you know, a tumultuous world and I just don't see the the harm in putting a little bit of good back in it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. This game is a whole bully. Uh, yeah, even for someone like myself, it offers that escapism. Uh, if I'm having a bad day, Hey, I'm going to the rink. Hey, we're in the middle of a three and four. Hey, maybe we lost the last couple of games or, or whatever it's so minuscule to, to real world issues of, of a lot of these other people, um, you know, whether it's mental health, anything anybody is going through, it's really important to maintain that perspective. And that's what impressed me the most about you guys this past season, the ghost pirates did not make the playoffs, but the memories made, whether it's a family experiencing their first hockey game or our diehards watching their hometown team here in Savannah for the first time, or even a community event where you're helping a kid learn to skate those I know are really crucial to this entire locker room. Every player that wears a Savannah Ghost Pirates jersey wants to make a difference, and you especially. No, without a doubt. I mean, it's, you know, I hear people talk about it sometimes where they go, you know, all of this, as much of a blessing as it is, they would trade it to make a difference in like one person's life. And, and, and really, it's true. I mean, as much as I want to say our job is to play hockey, our job is to improve these communities. And, and, in, and in doing that, yes, we're paid to play the game we love, but we have a social responsibility to our fans to genuinely look after them and, and to help them in any way we can and to provide, you know, a great product on ice, but to really get out in the community and, and be genuine members for however long we're here. And, Sometimes, again, hockey, the hockey world is a bubble. We forget that. And you'll see it every once in a while. And so it's just 
it's very rewarding when we get to go out in the community and we get to, you know, like you said, do a learn to skate, um, sign autographs, take pictures with people. Maybe, um, I don't know if you're, well, of course you remember, but we, we brought in the one young lady who was suffering. From, yeah. And, uh, you know, getting to a chance to speak to her and, and if anything, learn from her because obviously she's gone through a level of suffering and endurance and battle that like none of us could ever fathom even going through. Right. And so, you know, that in and of itself is, an, is just another blessing that comes with playing. And so, you know, again, getting to go out in the community and, and deliver these messages, help people teach kids about the game that we love. I mean, that's everything really. That's, that's just, you couldn't ask for more as a player. And when you were growing up in Anchorage or even perhaps throughout your junior career, even into early pro, was there someone that really instilled that, you know, message to you, Hey, take time, or can you really credit that to your family? Really just from a young age, this is just how you treat people and that's how you would want to be treated. So, Hey, let me offer this positive energy back into the world. And even if it doesn't come back to me, I'm still putting it out there. I would, you know, obviously my parents were the biggest impact on, on everything. Um, you know, my dad is, is a very empathetic soul to begin with. Um, he's a big food is love guy. You know, he cooks big meals. Um, and, and that's just his way of saying like, I love you. I care about you. And, and it's also his way of showing like, he would do these meals for lots of people. Like it was just his way of showing like, take care of the people that are close to you, take care of the people around you, take care of the people you love. And then my mom, you know, wonderful lady, I, to this day, like, consider her a saint. I mean, it's just like superhero, like levels of adoration. She's just an amazing woman. And the biggest, I mean, she's a very devout Roman Catholic lady. She's just the most charitable kind soul. And it does, it just really doesn't matter who it is. Um, my parents have, but my mom in particular, have always been so willing. And so it was almost such a necessity for them to just help people. And they're the kind of people that just would used to just go to Fred Meyers, which is our grocery store in Alaska, and would just buy bags of groceries and just, you know, give them to homeless people just kind of on a whim. And, and it's, that's who they are. And so I saw that and they're also in the medical field. So just, you know, beyond that, like they take care of people. But for me, I always watched that. And I think I maybe, maybe genetically inherited a bit of it, but you know, they would always want me to do what I could to help others. Um, you know, I used to go to Malvern prep in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And a big thing that that there was there was an option to do it, um, but a big kind of trip they had was you would go down in the inner city of Philadelphia, which is not you know the the nicest of places, and you would basically just go down there. You would sleep down there in a gym, and and you would volunteer a couple days of your time to help in myriad different ways: homeless shelters, food, uh, soup kitchens, things like that. And it was one of those things that, that my parents, it, it wasn't an option. You know, I was like, you're going to that, you're going to experience that you're going to learn to just love people and 
to give back because you've had such a great childhood. And so for me, again, it was just another area where, you know, I saw how some people truly have to live and how they have to get by to survive. And it, it just built in me a, a huge sense of empathy for that. And I just, it, I just genuinely kind of love people now because of that. So I would definitely say, you know, my, my parents coming back to your question are, are the biggest reason why, you know, I, I'm so willing and, and how I have that kind of worldview on, on empathy and, and on people in general. And this is a question that you probably have never been asked by uh, someone in hockey. Is that your love language as well? Cooking and, and like gifts for people? Did you get the cooking gene from dad? I uh, definitely got the cooking gene. Well, might've gotten the cooking gene from mom, but uh, I definitely got the cooking skill from my dad. Cause my, uh, my dad, can, so my parents have a rule in their house, which is like, if you complain, you cook kind of deal. And my dad, my mom used to cook all the time. Um, and then my dad complained one time, she went, you're cooking then. And he's been cooking ever since. And um, when we eventually moved for hockey, um, to Toronto for a few years, uh, he wasn't allowed to work. So he just did cooking school and got the study permit and, and, you know, kind of did that on a whim. And so he's got this myriad range of techniques that he can kind of whip out of the hat. Um, but you know, I learned all that technical kind of skill from him, but yeah, it, it definitely, to an extent, it is kind of my love language. Um, if I'm going to hang out with friends, it'll almost always be over food. And, um, you know, one of my best buddies, Sammy, who's another player in the coast, um, it's very similar for his family. He's, he's a, a Chinese-born Canadian, um, just a great human being in general. And his, his parents are very similar in the sense that, like, you come over and it's like they've prepared, like, all this food. And they're like, no, 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 eat, 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 eat. And they're like forcing it on you. And you're like, this is awesome. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, with Jada, our our perfect date night is like grilling up a couple of ribeyes on the, you know, on the barbecue with some sweet potatoes and stuff. And, and just, it's always just kind of been one of those things where being able to break bread with loved ones, with family, with, you know, friends is just, that is how I show appreciation. That is absolutely how, um, I kind of express that someone's important to me. I remember before you even came in bully, uh, in November, the entire ghost pirates team had Thanksgiving at the apartments. Every single guy was there. Uh, and that's for me, extremely shocking because, you know, timelines, routines, they don't always, uh, align, but everybody in that locker room basically said, Hey, we're having Thanksgiving. We're all going to cook our own food. Uh, they invited the staff, which again is always very nice and something they don't necessarily have to do, but that's just how this group was. And I think is moving into year two. Do you get the same sense, this brotherhood, everybody, like I said, that wears that ghost pirates Jersey. It seems like they're on the same page, both, both on and off the ice. I definitely think that, um, you know, it, it was obviously a bit tumultuous when I came in because there's a lot of guys getting called up, a lot of injuries, um, but the big thing there was that it was welcoming right from day one. Um, obviously, like I came in, it was the Super Bowl day and I kind of made plans with the team in Macon. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to be, you know, going here and doing all this and, and everything. And then it was like, oh, I'm gone, you know, it's like, oh boy. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of got in and, and right away the guys were like, like um, Val, Nolan, 
he was uh he texted me he was like hey listen like we got a you know super bowl kind of get together everybody's coming you're gonna be there bring bring jada and everything like that and uh i was so shy i was like jada you're not coming like there's no chance you're coming like we're you know, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna introduce myself i'm gonna show face i'm gonna leave because i'm like i'm so i'm that shy when i first meet people and uh obviously billy was there and so billy like like welcomed me kind of like he come he came and grabbed me showed me where i was going and everything like that um but i got there and, and every guy made it a point to come up and introduce myself uh joey our strength and conditioning coach like right away, talk, talk my ear off for like half an hour, 45 minutes. Well, that's just Joey though. Joey will talk to a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He literally, literally did. Eh? Literally did. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, it was just, it, again, it was, he was an incredible guy and, and every single guy really made it a point. Savvy, especially, I mean, Savvy didn't know who I was, didn't know I was from Anchorage, which was fine. I, I knew kind of who he was, but I'd been following along because uh, there's a, like an Instagram thing that, that kind of keeps track of Alaskan goalie. So his name was always like top. Cause he was, he was on fire last year. And uh, you know, he was just, again, super polite guy. Very nice. Every guy came up, was really excited. They let me kind of eat however much I wanted. Um, you know, and they were like, no, 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 like stay, stay, like, don't leave, don't leave, stay with us, like, hang out, get to know the guys and everything. And, and again, I, I feel like that was kind of how it was for every guy that came into that locker room, especially after I was there. I mean, you know, Longer came in and, and just instantly welcoming, great guy, um, melded right in, uh, you know, uh, Carpy, Carpy, same kind of thing. Like he came in, it was like day one, he's like everybody's best friend. And he was just, again, another awesome dude who I just love playing with. Um, obviously, Paps is, you know, just an amazing human. He, he was super welcoming, like day one, um, like in the rink was like talking to me, talking to me for like a good hour and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the culture. I think that that Savannah as a city is kind of instilled in the team as well Is like, we are a very close knit group. The city really gets behind us. Um, and everybody has, you know, each other's backs. It's a wonderful spot to play, obviously, but it's a wonderful locker room to be a part of. It's interesting that you say that you're shy uh, because, you know, when you came into that locker room for the first time, I mean, you're, you're all business, like you're dialed in, you're ready to perform, but do you think it's because you had that little package deal of yourself and Elijah Bilio back in the same locker room again? Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, Billy, Billy absolutely brings out the best in my personality. Um, you know, he, cause he's not shy at all. Right. Like he's just, he's a perfect opposite mirror of my personality where I'm very quiet, repressed, shy, business-like. And like, although he's very business-like, he absolutely is just like bouncing off the wall, happy all the time. Uh, he's really, a, a, honestly, in my mental part, like he's something I factor in, like that's how important he's been the last two years is that I know that, you know, one of the resources that I've always got a hold of is just, being like, yo, Billy, I'm, I'm not feeling great today, man. Like, like perk, perk me up a little bit, you know, buddy, like, come on. And he's just like, the way he is, he just, he just naturally kind of instills positivity into the room. Uh, but for me, especially, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes I get like in my head a little bit too much. I'm like, I'm like, like tense almost before games. And he would always just be like, he'd be like, bro, what are you doing over there? I'd be like, oh, I'm juggling, you know, I'm just playing. He's like, no, no, give me those balls. Give me, he's like, give me those balls. I'm like, all right. Like here, he's like, 
let's play catch, buddy. And he starts throwing the balls at <laughs> Big golden retriever energy. Oh, literally. Elijah literally. I, don't, I don't know if he'll ever come on here. He's afraid. He's so well-spoken, and he can talk, you know, for hours, and he has great stories too, uh, but he's even a little shy when the camera's on, I think that's a little different guys. Definitely. You know, some guys love it. Like Logan Drevich, you're going to put a camera in front of him and, and you know, oh, he'll yeah. plant himself right there and answer as many questions as possible, which makes my job easier. But yeah, you and Billy going back and forth. Uh, it's probably one of the cooler dynamics and, and how special is that his uh, signing, you know, this is going to come out in late August. We just announced him. He's coming back for another season. Brandon Estes, a guy who may be a little more on the shy side, but, when you get together in this locker room, it's such a connection. Do you think that that differs from where, you know, you've been in the past and, and you don't need to throw anybody, any organization under the bus or anything too negative, but there's something different here in this city. Oh, for sure. It's something I got my first year in Norfolk. I mean, first year in Norfolk, the guys there we had were just incredible. Obviously my goalie partner was Dylan Wallace, like one of the best you know, goalies to, to ever graced coast ice. He's fantastic human being, fantastic pro, like just an amazing goalie. Um, but that was the level of like camaraderie we had there. It's the same level we have here. It's just, it's a really, really tight group. Um, and then obviously like last year where we kind of started that way, where it was a super tight knit group. And then as you know, we went through a lot of players there, um, you know, guys kind of got more and more and more distant as time went on. And it was kind of a shame. Not that anyone was a bad guy or nothing like that. I don't want to make it seem like that. But just there was so many new faces that it was almost like hard to to bond, especially for me, because I'm, I'm very once I get familiar with people, obviously. And obviously I had Billy there, too. Right. And once he once he moved on to Savannah, I was like it was almost like like a, like a loss. You know, I was like I was like, oh, my God, like. <laughs> Where, where's my buddy you know <laughs> they need him back <laughs> bring him back here <laughs> but obviously it worked out from the end because i you know get him right back in, uh, in savannah but uh no it's definitely it, it really can't be understated the the effect that hockey can be a very lonely sport especially for a goalie absolutely can be a lonely sport and so especially myself but i'm sure almost every goalie to an extent needs that sense of like having the team behind them and i like again the, the person I saw it with the most was Savvy. Like Savvy, when he went in that net, you could just see the level of like confidence he inspired in the boys. Paps, very similar too, right? Like you went in and you knew Paps making the save. Like it's not, there's no question. It's the same thing with Savvy. Savvy was like to, unbeatable to the point. I was like, why is this guy in the coast? This guy should be like, or maybe, maybe even the show. Like this guy's going places. Like get out of here. You know, go up there because that's where you belong. But um, no, again, it was just, it, it was, such a, a close-knit group it was such a and I, and I think that also starts at like an organizational level too right like it's there's a lot of coordination between the staff i've seen organizations where the the coordination between the staff just isn't there and it really kind of that seeps into the locker room versus here where it was like there was such a degree of coordination it was like this is an this is essentially what an ahl team looks like and i mean i've practiced a lot with with Belleville, um and it was the same thing there right like the organization you know, all the way down to the goalie coach, they're in sync and here, same exact thing. I mean, I can't express enough how, how much that helps in our, you know, career, having an organization and having a group of guys that are just clicking in sync, even if it's not always necessarily translating into the wins, which, you know, with so many call-ups, so many injuries last year, that's not always going to be the case. Right. But 
it just makes that experience of coming to the rink and playing in front of like sold out barns in front of amazing fans. Like it just makes that experience so much better. Um, so I just, I really couldn't understate that. Yeah. And, and the feelings mutual. I think everybody in that room treats the staff and likewise with that level of respect. And during that article that's posted on ghostpirateshockey.com, you mentioned your relationship with ghost pirates, head coach, Rick Bennett and his straightforwardness, always letting you know where you stand in his mind, especially in this league where you've seen it, you've been a part of it. Goalies get called up, goalies get cut. You have no idea how long you're going to be in one spot. And you know, especially when you come into training camp, your mentality is not, yeah, I can just come in and, and everything's going to be fine. And I'm going to make this, this team that's trying to make a run. Um, but head coach Rick Bennett has really done a good job in letting you know, here are your expectations. If you do all of these things, you're going to find success. And you also keep yourself uh, in that same regard. Yeah. You know, I think with, with coach there, um, it's a relationship that was built on just kind of a mutual trust. I think that he created himself. Um, for me with coaches, I always, you know, I always refer to, to coach as coach, right? Like that's just how I've always been. Um, it's kind of been instilled for me from a young age. It's a respect thing. I, you know, you have that title because you earned it. So I'm going to provide that respect. And you know, going beyond that for him, I mean, he just from day one told me what was up. Like sometimes, you know, you'll see it, especially when guys are getting call-ups, um, coaches might be a little deceptive. They might be like, you know, Hey, listen, uh, might, might, might get you here for a month. How's that sound? And then, you know, two days later, they only really needed the guy for a game and then just cut him. And so it's like, you see that all over the coast. And with, with coach there, he just day one, he was like, listen, this is a short-term call-up. And I just want you to come in. And if you get a game, that's great. And if you don't, you know, thank you for coming up. And I was like, perfect honesty. Right. And because you don't get that as much in the coast, it's really refreshing, but it also, for me, at least it built trust instantly. I'm like, this guy has my best interest at heart as much as he has every other guy's best interest. There's no maliciousness to what he's doing. There's no deception. It's just honesty. If you know, if I'm not playing well, he's going to let me know. If I'm playing well, he's going to let me know. If I'm playing kind of mid, he's going to let me know. Um, again, it's just he, I think, built and worked on himself as a coach and as a person throughout the year. And I think I got to enjoy kind of that, that work that he put in. Um, but, yeah, no, he really – it's the thing I always tell him as well when he asks me kind of, you know, for feedback, things like that. It's just like, you are just such an upfront, honest person. You make my job easy because I just know where I stand. I don't need to wor worry coming to the rink. I don't need to be checking my locker to see if I'm cut today. Like, I know that you're going to give me a heads up what's going on as soon as you know. Like, if, if, if it's like one of those things where it's like, hey, listen, we got two guys coming down. The chances you stand really slim. Hey, at least I know. You know, at least I, at least I've understood that fact. I can go out today, have the best practice of my life because I don't have to worry that I don't know what's going to happen next. There's, there's always certainty with him and it's something I really respect about him. And it's obviously something I hope that continues going forward, but I, I you know, it, it's very refreshing for this level to have that level of honesty and 
obviously he's a really good coach. Um, you can't like he's he won a national championship at D1, right? Like it's just he knows what he's doing. So I don't really need to say anything about that. Like it's just it, that doesn't need to be questioned ever. But with with anyone in that coaching position, it's always like a question of like, hey, listen, can I trust this guy? Can I can I believe what this guy has to say? And with him, the answer's never been no. It's always been a yes. I can always trust what he has to say, even if I don't necessarily like what what he's saying. I can trust that it's the truth. Yeah, uh, totally agree from all the the testimonials from the guys. Um, even if there's a negative message that needs to be sent right away, it's not one sided. I think you guys have the voice to to have a conversation because that's competitiveness. Everybody in that locker room wants to win. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's something that when times are tough, it's easy to point fingers, but also to reflect and be like, yeah, you know what? I could have done this better. And that goes from everybody, from a player, coach, staff member, anybody in their normal jobs and normal life. I think that self-reflection is very important to keep yourself accountable. And for you coming into a short-term call-up, thinking, hey, this could be one or two days, it turned into 16 games in a very, very short stretch. So you earned that trust and you were given that leeway, not necessarily leeway may not be the right word, but the confidence to be able to come in and play as much as you did. And and really you, you turned your season around with how stable you were in this franchise, giving the fans, hey, here's a, a six game win streak at home to end the season. Here's a big, uh, you know, shootout win against Jacksonville in nine rounds where Ross Armour comes off the bench and, you know, he's making his pro debut. Just moments like that in this season, I think you'll see them trickle into year two based on the medal that this team has acquired in those moments. I definitely think so. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I think we've kind of, I don't think the culture is completely built yet. But I think it's it's getting there, right? And it's and obviously I don't think you could ever build a culture in one year. I like there's a team culture, but like the culture of this this organization, this franchise, right? Like it's something that can't be built just overnight. But I think that the steps that were put in last year um, have definitely helped solidify what this team is, what it means to the community, and what it's going to provide when it hops on the ice for the first time. Um, you know, and that kind of same vein there too i think that the people in the locker room are all people who genuinely understand what savannah is and genuinely want to be there and i think that especially at this level you can get a lot of guys who you know might like the team might like the guys whatever but their goal is always and obviously all of us have ambition but their goal is just to be elsewhere they don't really want to be there. And I think with our team and the guys that we've got and the guys that coaches put in this year, I think it's all going to be guys that just love the city, love the fans, love the team, love the organization, and genuinely want to be in that room unless they're getting called up to the NHL, you know? So um, I think we have a very bright future as an organization. Um, I would absolutely love to be a part of it for as long as I could. I <laughs> love it there as you know you and i've talked about it quite a few times but um yeah i think that i think that culture uh is something that i got to enjoy as as well i mean you know being part of that that win streak that shootout game in jacks um you know is just again memories that i'll treasure for a lifetime 
um, memories that you definitely made better with the, uh, just your constant conversation and, and, you know, getting to kind of mess around with you and Billy at the same time there. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, again, it's just, it's just all those little moments too, that just, that's just made that year such a time. But also I think to an extent helped really build that organizational culture that I think we're steering towards right now. Yeah. And I could talk to you all day. And I bet the fans would would love to hear this conversation last two, three hours. But uh, we, we've got to wrap it up here. And, I, and I'll leave it with kind of an open forum for you to to talk a little bit about the fans. What's your message to Ghost Pirates fans after embracing you so much when you came in in February to now year two, starting in October in this city? It's almost like there's more buzz about the Ghost Pirates than there was before there was even a team, a team name, all that stuff. Year two, it's evident that the fans are ready, the players are ready, and just your overall message to the Savannah Ghost Pirates fan base, what will it be? Yeah, I think the uh, the big message there is that I think we're getting ready to win this year. I think we're getting ready to do some big things. Um, I know every, every single guy on every podcast and every Insta thing will say the same thing, but I genuinely think that the team we're assembling right now, the motivation that guys are going to have to be there, um, the willingness people want, like are going to have to win because of how great the fan base is, because of how great the city is, because of how great the organization treats us. I, I just think that we're we're primed now to really go for it. You know, um, again, it's it's something too that I want to, or something that I want to add as well is just that to your point that the fans really embraced me this year. It's like, I hope they embrace every goalie for the rest of the time, the same way that they did for me, because it, it actually makes your job as a goalie that much easier when you know, the fans got your back, you know, they're not going to be booing you. They're not going to be, you know, calling for your head after two yeah, games, no Bronx cheer after you stop a puck from the red line sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you know, they, they made my job, easy this year but they also made it so much fun like i haven't had that much fun playing hockey in quite some time obviously it's my passion i love it but like playing in front of of our fans was just amazing so i would hope that they give every goalie that same experience that i did regardless of whether i'm in the net on the bench and this doesn't matter right as long as they i think come out and support their attendees like that support the team like that I just think that, that the sky's the limit for us. Michael Bullion, you're a rock star. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, always a pleasure. Can't wait to see you in October, dude. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Miss your smiling face. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Beyond the Graveyard. Have a question for the Ghost Pirates? Send a direct message to our social media channels or email info at ghostpirateshockey.com. We'll see you next time.